Hey, what's up, everybody? And this is Dr. Loso, and you're listening to Career Insights 501. And today we have Alyssa McDonald, and she is a performance and career coach, and she's here to talk to us today about how you can make your career a whole lot better. So she's going to give us a lot of great insight and share a lot of good information with us today. So welcome to the show, Alyssa. Thank you. Excited to be here. <laughs> So if you want, let's just start off by telling the people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so um, I'm a performance and career coach, as you said, uh, out of Vancouver, Canada. Um, and I help, I work with business leaders and entrepreneurs to help make their lives easier and to improve their performance. And usually I get a call by people because they're in crisis or they want to quit or they hate their job in some capacity. Um, so although I talk a lot about improving business results, it actually ends up being a lot about how to reduce stress, improve well-being, and really design the work and the life that they want so that it doesn't take over their lives. Uh, that's, I think there's, uh, like, I'm, I'm excited about this conversation because I think just with a lot of the things that I've read about um, remote work, I've read some reports or studies or articles that say that people are working more now that they're working from home than they would typically um, in the office. So I'd like to um, get some insights or just like see what you've heard or, you know, working with your clients and how that's been either a positive or a negative. But um, yeah. So I mean, I'm happy to jump into that if you want oh, go, to talk go right about ahead. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, so I work remote as well. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, most of my calls, with the exception of a few people that I meet in person for fun, um, is is remote. And what I found is it removes a lot of the like social interactions and communications and relationship building. And also just you have more time or more energy to focus. And that could end up kind of extending beyond what you might intend or want to. And part of the thing that I do as a coach is to be able to reflect on, okay, am I working more? Do I want to work on this much? But then also communicate with other people in a, cause you have to be more intentional uh, online, mm -hmm. uh, communicate with their clients, with their bosses, with their team around setting those expectations because negotiating for those needs to be met is super awkward if you're not used to it and really difficult. So those are kind of two ways that I help design the, the work and, and the life is it's always good to have a sounding board to say, Hey, is this working for me? I'm really uncomfortable. Why is that? Mm -hmm. Do you think those negotiating skills are the same negotiating skills that people need when negotiating things like salary or, um, can be used when negotiating those type of um, things with, with their work, I guess, life balance, or are those a different set of negotiation skills? I would say same, same thing. Uh, a lot mm -hmm. of people are really uncomfortable with negotiation and really uncomfortable with sales. Um, but as you'll hear throughout maybe my career journey, we'll talk later. I worked in sales and had formal negotiation training. And um, when you negotiate your salary versus when you negotiate how, when, or with who you work, 
is the same skills. You're trying to create a win-win scenario where you can work at your best and do the work that they, what they want, but in the ways that work for you, which includes mm. being compensated properly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. Huge, huge. <laughs> I think that's an important thing. And I didn't really realize this, I guess, really, honestly, until I started writing my book about negotiating is a um, kind of like networking gets a win-win situation for both. And it's not a, okay, I need to get everything that I want out of this situation or this person is trying to get like everything out of that situation. I think just generally speaking, um, people who don't really have negotiations negotiation skills or have had that type of training like that might be the mentality of a lot of people uh, when it comes to negotiating it's just kind of like how can i get the most of what i want without giving up anything so i'm glad you pointed that out mm -hmm. yeah um, and even some of my my clients i train their employees how to negotiate their salary because they're negotiating with the CEO, a manager who might be formally trained in that. But if you're putting a young, a first job out of university, new immigrant negotiating with the CEO, who is a middle-aged white man, and you're trying to, ex you're expecting a good outcome, well, it's not gonna happen if they don't have the right skills to do so. And if they don't feel good about that conversation, they're not happy with their compensation they're going to leave. That's going to mm -hmm. cost them money to train a new person, hire a new person. It's much easier to just equip them to have a good conversation. Yeah. What would be two, what would you say are the two most important negotiation skills for somebody to have? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I think one, first of all, understanding the intention of negotiation is mm. it's in everybody's best interest to have a good outcome because if someone is unhappy, it will only be so long before that person is resentful or leaves or it causes conflict. And then I think too is self-awareness to be really, really clear on like what you need and why. And then the third is, I, I don't only ask for two, but the third is to understand what the other person needs and coming at it to say, hey, like, what does a business need with the CEO? What's his problem on a day to day basis? How how can you help him mm. if he gives or if them? Mm. I know I, in this scenario, I'm thinking about one CEO in particular, but how can you help them in their job Because make it easy for them? And where do you think self-advocacy comes into play when negotiating? So I was having this conversation with a group of people. It was really brief, um, but yeah. we were talking about bragging and they were saying self, self-advocating. I was like, self-advocating isn't the same thing as bragging. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. So it was some debate around that, which I still think that I was right. Um, but <laughs> not, not to brag <laughs> not to brag but I think, <laughs> I think I was right on that one um, so I know with a lot of people um, in minority groups and so I use myself as an example and I was saying that I don't think that I'm as far as I should be in my career with like the degrees that I have and my work experience um, because I feel like if I do self-advocate sometime that it would come off as bragging um mm -hmm. now looking back at it it's just kind of like 
what the hell, just go for it in like type yeah. of attitude. And if they feel that type of way, then that's on them. But I feel like in the end, me or a person in my similar situation or mindset ends up losing out more because they didn't go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this actually goes back to kind of my approach or how I coach people. So, you know, generally I support people with performance and their career, but how I do that is when I take on a new client, I can either take on a client individually or be hired by an organization to coach their entire leadership team. And um, in either of those circumstances, I work one-on-one with people and I actually start by building a strengths profile. So what are your biggest motivators, which are usually your values? Um, what are your strengths? What are the dark sides of those strengths? So uh, for example, I'm really optimistic, which means I'm not good at <laughs> timelines. I might be late <laughs> to things, but being op- optimistic as a coach and energetic is why I have my job. So just being mindful of those. What are professional development opportunities and other things related to your working style? Like I'm a morning person, I'm an evening person. Don't Slack message me at this time. And I get them to really like build the data like they're a researcher by um, pulling up their financials, their performance reviews, their feedback at school, getting them to interview people that they've worked with, their friends, their family, their partners, their clients, uh, doing personality tests. And what I do is because my education is uh, as a industrial organizational psychologist, so work psychologist. And so I build like a psychological profile for them so we can be really clear and we can know, hey, this is this is who I am. This is what I'm good at and be objective about it. Like you've spent now 20 hours doing all of this work, <laughs> if, you know, and I say that I'm a little bit facetiously, but it does take a lot a long time um, to say I've pulled all the feedback and this is what I'm good at objectively. And so it's more about under, at that point, if you've done your research, you know the data and you've worked with a coach to identify that, you can feel confident without bragging. And it's really important for people to know what you're good at in order for them to hire you for the right things and Mm -hmm. for them to really put you in a place where where they're going to get the most value out of you. That's a lot of good stuff. I do want to go back to one thing that you said that I found Mm -hmm. interesting, the dark sides of your strengths. And I never thought about that, but using your example um, as being like optimistic. So they got me to thinking like a person that's overly optimistic and like only sees or looks for the positives might, you know, look over the things, the flaws or the defaults or the risks that could happen mm-hmm. in a project or or what have you so i, I, I like the way mm-hmm. that you put that yeah i, I would have never yeah it's it's a part of um kind of the the approach that i take is positive psychology and strength-based or asset-based thinking so it's always focusing on what's working well um and and a part of that is recognizing that some things you're not good at and that the aspect of radical self-acceptance and i'm not Mm. in in this vein it's not like you say okay well you're bad at estimating oh well it's okay can you outsource those things can you delegate those things 
can you get support on it? Can you stop doing it altogether sometimes, right? So if you keep trying to write a book, but you're a talker, it's like, just don't write the book. Get somebody else to write yeah. it. <laughs> <Just> stop <laughs> writing and start and start a podcast, right? Um, yeah. And, and to not feel a sense of shame or... Um, around it and just and just say hey so in my life with this example of being optimistic um you know i look at the data so i try and track my time how long does it actually take well i said it would take this long but it took this long okay i adjust um i have a, a an amazing assistant who supports me on project management tasks my partner is a, has a background in project management and entrepreneurship so he looks over my timelines like are we good here? And these are kind of my guidelines and my, my guardrails, I should say, to not lose it because I'm optimistic mm -hmm. and not, you know, run my business into the ground because of that. Yeah. It's, it's funny you said it about writing a book because so I'm a big Tony Braxton fan. And I was watching her reality mm -hmm. show with her sisters um, when it was um, airing and she was going through the process of writing her book. But she had somebody there help, helping her write the book. And I was like, what the hell? So I think, too, part of it is knowing, like, what's out there. Because I was like, I never, like, in my mind, it's like, you wrote the book and you got an editor to, like, edit it, not somebody to mm -hmm. come in and, like, write the book for you. So that was, um, <laughs> that was crazy to me. But there's a lot of different, you know, resources and online tools out there that people can use to, um get help or outsource a lot of things, you know, like Fiverr. A lot of people use Fiverr for um, huge. huge. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, uh, I think one of the things is, is people don't even recognize how hard some things are, but even if it's not out there, you could find it like, yeah, you know, it's just like, make it up. So, uh, for example, I have a, a client, she's a, she's a CEO founder, she cannot answer her emails. It's just impossible for her. Um, sometimes it takes a month. Sometimes they never get back. And I, I resonate with this also. And so I work with her to hire someone who reads her emails, answers them for her, identifies the specific task that she needs to do, either puts it into her project management software or into her calendar or um, makes her do it on the call. Emails are answered. And somebody might feel bad. It's like, oh, you should be able to answer your emails, but but you can't. So what? Now, yeah. now, what do we do about it? Because you make enough money to hire somebody, or if you're doing the thing that you're good at, you'll make enough money to hire somebody. In theory, mm -hmm. it takes time, but yeah, yeah, I, I'm right there with you all with the emails. I absolutely hate emails. I li literally cool. just cleaned up my Outlook inbox and I think I had like over 4,000 like unopened Ooh. emails in, in the, my out, Outlook inbox. So <laughs> that was a, um, that was a chore. Google wasn't too much better. It was like two or three, two or 3,000 emails in there that I had to clean out. So yeah, um, there might, there might, there might be like some kind of clinical term or like condition for people yeah. like us. <laughs> There's, there's a no need to pathologize it. It's just like, oh, well, I don't like that. Cool. Yeah. I, I, and because yeah. I don't like it, I'm not going to, I don't want to do it. And, and, and the, it's more about like the now what, okay. How mm -hmm. do I not do it? Yeah. I don't like emails either. So I, 
if you want to talk, here's my calendar. Don't even message me. Just put it in my calendar. And my clients know that like, I, I'm not going to respond to them via text. I'm not, I don't want to email them. It's mm-hmm. in person. It's, well, it's like on video, yeah. which is my preferred format and the best quality communication that you can get. It's high, True. high on the totem pole of communication. Yeah. I agree 100%. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about your educational background a little bit. So you say you went to school for organizational psychology, is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. Industrial okay. organizational psychology which if somebody is a nerd around career or work stuff is the same degree that Adam Grant from work life has. (laughs) He's our rock star in uh, organizational psychology (laughs) Um, and our only reference point. There are no other famous organizational (laughs) psychologists yet. (laughs) Yeah. You're the second one. You'll be the second. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it sounds like that played a lot into what you're doing now. So when you were going to college and, you know, obtaining, you know, working on this degree, did you have the mindset of wanting to be an entrepreneur and doing what you're doing now? Or did you see yourself doing something different while you were in college? Yeah. Um, so I feel like there's many, many questions and many answers within what you just said. <laughs> but uh, I actually did my undergraduate degree so my i I, i'm in using canadian language i know it's college is like your undergrad i think in in canada your bachelor's degree and Mm -hmm. i did it in marketing and communications Um, okay so i went to an art school in high school and i did performing arts and visual arts and i realized that i liked producing and marketing the shows more than being in them even though i love performing And I started working as an assistant to a marketing consultant in high school, got a job doing uh, an office as an office and sales manager for a creative agency while I was doing my first two years of university. Um, And, you know, really loved communications. I ended up doing an internship at Toronto and moving to Montreal and having a lot of really cool work experiences through that time while I was going to school because I really liked the idea of communicating good ideas so that people could solve problems and buy products that they like. And it's really interested in corporate social responsibility and social entrepreneurism as well. And once I worked for so long in that marketing industry, I was like, oh crap, there are so many problems before you get to the point of marketing a product from a people standpoint, like people are leaving, there's bad managers, there's, um, you know, lack of meaning in the work, the work is not designed properly, like just so many problems in the workplace mm-hmm. that actually a better problem other than communicating good ideas to the market is helping people actually have better work experiences that are more meaningful um, and so that's when I went back to do my master's in organizational psychology and just fell in love. It was a really, it was a true dream. And I think, yeah, I did not intend to be a coach. In fact, mm-hmm. I, um, was really passionate about the idea specifically of bringing social impact into every role and ended up doing su- sustainable supply chain consulting which is really cool. <laughs> I love nice. procurement. Um, 
and it was doing change management. Like, how do we change how we budget to be more socially, environmentally, and ethically responsible to um, hire from, uh, well, work with local businesses and BIPOC businesses and Indigenous businesses? How do we reduce greenhouse gases by just writing in the requirements, oh, must use clean energy? Um, but I had a really, it wasn't a good working situation mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as the, the, the operations of the company. So even though I thought I was going to be there for five years, I felt the need to quit for my mental health and my own morals. So I just didn't think it was the right way um, to, to run a business and accidentally ended up as a coach. Okay. Yeah. Hi, this is Alyssa McDonald, and you're listening to Career Insights 501 by Dr. Loso. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that you said that. I think more and more people need to say that, at least um, the younger generations, that uh, the workforce, I mean, excuse me, that college isn't designed to keep up with the fast-paced changes of um, just like corporate America or like, mm-hmm. you know, these different industries. And I say that all of the time, if you think about how slow the world was changing back then, you could go into college and get a job as this thing and have a career and retire in that. But things are changing so fast now. And there's all these different, I feel like hybrid careers that are popping mm-hmm. up, you know, it's my job as an instructional designer. I have to be like almost a graphic designer or a web developer, you know, edit videos, audio on top of learn knowing those learning, you know, methods and doing research and evaluating and, and just, so you have to know just a lot of different things. And, um, just with the fast pace of how like looking at things like chat GPT now mm-hmm. and, you know, AI and robotics and all these things that are coming into play, the college is, it, it really isn't built for, um, you know, how that part of society works. Um, I, th- I definitely don't get me wrong. Like I say, doctor, lawyers, a lot of those things like um, psychologies, some of those humanity majors, you definitely need those things. I think they're more, um, you know, future proof than just mm-hmm. like graphic design. You know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking about like great artists. I was like, do you really need an art degree to be a great artist? Like just draw, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's, it's crazy. But I think too, just, not to like harp on like education, um, but mm-hmm. you talked about how expensive it was. I think that a lot of people now are seeing how um, lucrative education can be. So you have these um, online platforms or boot camps or people, you know, charging exorbitant prices for um, for um, different types of educational services for people because they know they need that training or those skills to get mm-hmm. into new jobs. Yeah, I think, um, yeah. And, and a lot of, a lot of them and even a lot of coaches, like, are, are you really qualified to, to mm. do that training? You know, often no, um, but <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, I, I will just say one thing, especially about, you know, a lot of boot camps. If you're able to validate that these people are qualified, they're working in industry, they have the that that they have the credibility. Boot camps are great. I think where what's really lagging behind and what's really scary to me is academia and how you have a lot of 
um, researchers who are not practitioners, who have no experience or very little experience in the field that's relevant, teaching people who are destined to work in in organizations. And so I what if I, I actually like put my master's on pause, so I haven't done my thesis because mm-hmm. um, I've done all everything else, but I haven't done my my final master's project because I feel like like to me, this is my metaphor, is um, it's like being a ghost. Like Mm. academia is in the world, in this metaphor, right? But not of the world. Exactly. They can't can't speak with you. They can't communicate with you because the language is not accessible. It's not practical. It's too technical and a million other reasons. And they never actually interface. And they end up being so divided and that divide over time just gets greater and greater. So I really, although there's amazing skills that you can learn around like research and understanding validity and reliability and, um, you know, having research-based work, it's really, I think it's really bad to not have practitioners within your educational system if you're going to be working in the workplace. I agree 100%. Um, With my PhD program, and I learned a lot just going, you know, mm-hmm. to grad school with how colleges and because I worked within the department as a graduate teaching assistant. Mm-hmm. And then I worked as a research assistant and I worked in the office of the grad school. But so I started looking into jobs and I noted, noticed that we needed to have like a program that was called the Captivate or Storyline. Mm-hmm. And nowhere in the three like bachelor's, master's or PhD where they teach in that software. And I'm just like, what the hell? <laughs> I went to school for all these years, getting all these degrees, and I don't even know the industry standard software, but they were just so focused on creating, like, an army of researchers. And uh, most people that were in the program, even the PhD program, wanted to go into, like, industry and just work and do instructional design in industry. And it was just like we had no portfolio, nothing really to show, and it was just like, it was just, it's just been hell trying to uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> get also, jobs. Academia has a bad rep within a lot of corporate spaces. It's overly complicated. It's like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. but you don't know how it works in the real world, mm-hmm. which in some ways is true because it's like, okay, well, when it goes to having that simple conversation, you know, what is stopping you? Like that to, to change, you know, the color of the slides potentially could have just like, hey, do these slides work for you? No, why? Just doing that and having that conversation is probably more impactful in a lot of ways than having like eight research papers that you've reviewed and you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Because it's it's not, it doesn't need to be that complicated. Right, yeah, yeah. Continuous improvement. Continuous improvement, there you go. Yeah. That's definitely in, a big thing. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I'll switch it over to uh, to some more light light um, mm-hmm. questions, not so serious questions, and <laughs> we'll um, ask Alyssa what does she listen to while she's working or working mm. out. What type of music do you listen to? What's on your Apple or Spotify playlist? 
You know, it's so funny. I, I when I'm working, I don't listen to any music. Really, I'm, I'm on calls a lot, so okay. I, I'm talking a lot of the time. But um, I am diagnosed ADD, mm. and I just mm. find you know silence is really good, or kind of like light background noise if I'm in a cafe is fine. Um, otherwise, I'm singing um, okay. or whatever it is. Uh, and in my personal life, I actually listen to a lot of, uh, self-help books or podcasts instead gotcha. of music, but, um, I will say, uh, I really like the intersection between, uh, like hip hop, funk, house, R and B. Um, that's my, my, my spectrum. Mm. Um, and so kind uh, of like Bruno Mars, some of his second music. Yeah. So he's, I would say he's like a pop punk. Uh, pop mm -hmm. funk. Um, I really like Anderson Pack. Uh, okay. Channel Trez is another good one. A, a more Check up and, up and coming one. Um, and uh, I just I I like being around other people who are really into music because then I just get to I get to learn more about different mu musicians. I love everything. Gotcha. I just want to be at the concert. I don't care what the concert is. <laughs> just catching the vibe, huh? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so what I plan on doing is like getting everybody that's um, on here to give me like mm -hmm. one song and like create mm -hmm. a, a playlist of the um, mm. guests. Yeah. So. Okay. I'll have to I'll think have to... about that. Okay. It can be white noise. <laughs> <laughs> they might need a break from some of the crazy stuff that we might get. I don't know what we're going to get, so they might need to give their ears a rest. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you five this or that questions. Okay. Um, well, would you rather, I'm sorry. <laughs> would you rather drop the soap in prison or get shanked in prison? I think this is a better question for a guy, but... <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Uh, drop this out for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, would you rather cut off six of your own fingers and one foot or bring Hitler back to life as an invisible killer robot zombie? Oh, wow. Yeah. Cut <laughs> off, cut off my hand. Can people know about it? Cause it would be nice to be a hero. I I'll lose my, my yeah. hands and my feet. <laughs> Especially if people will know the sacrifice. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they would know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't bring Hitler back. Yeah, definitely stay where he's at. Mm -hmm. Would you rather be Iron Man but have to leave the suit on at all times or be the Hulk but have to stay in Hulk form at all times? Is this smart Hulk or is this dumb Hulk? Ooh, yeah. look at it. That's... Guess it doesn't matter. You can pick which hope you want to be. I'll be. You can I'll even be, be she -Hulk. Hulk. I'll be. No, that was a terrible <laughs> show. Um, I I will be Hulk. Yeah, I think. Although, like, if you get to be Tony Stark vibes, like Tony Stark, ah, is the best. I love yeah. him. Yeah. But I'd rather not wear a, a, a metal suit. Like physical touch is nice. Right. Um, yeah. So I would be the smart Hulk. Okay. Would you rather be fluent in all languages and never be able to travel or be able to travel anywhere for a year, but never be able to learn a word of a different language? <laughs> oh God. 
Um, <laughs> I would rather travel than know all the languages. Although that's a, that is the closest one so far. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Last one. Would you rather work for the FBI or the CIA? Um, well, I'm Canadian, so, um, mm. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would rather work, um, within the country than external to the country. So I would go for the FBI. Okay. Yeah. And I wanted to ask you what I saw, I decided to say before this segment of the show, what is your favorite stage play or Broadway play? I know you said you were into that. Yeah. Oh man. I haven't seen, a, I honestly haven't seen a lot of like large productions mm-hmm. um, of, of large productions and like Broadway or musical theater. Um, but I will rep Canada and say that there is a really beautiful uh, musical called Home From Away um, about uh, an, a province called Newfoundland accepting Syrian refugees. That's really amazing and highly recommend checking it out or learning more about it. Okay. Um, and what are some things that you do for self care? Mm. I always say that partying is my self care. <laughs> so I do I'm not all, mad at it. <laughs> yeah, I do all the regular things like yeah, I exercise, I go swimming, we have a stationary bike at home, yoga, walking, going outside, talking to friends, journaling, therapy, all the stuff, the regular stuff. But I think the the one that really hits it for me is yeah, like partying, being with friends, dancing. There is this idea in uh, organizational psychology or this theory called build and broaden, which Mm -hmm. it's basically when you're stressed, you're in your fight or flight animal brain and you need to have pleasurable, um, like naturally pleasurable and fun experiences to come to your prefrontal cortex and to have your highest thinking, your best problem solving, relationship building. And so having fun is part of doing life. Like you have mm-hmm. to have fun to not be stressed. So, you know, I, I internalized this way back in like early university. Like I would, <laughs> you know, go out during exams still. I would like have a nice dinner and a beer with a friend before the night before, because in order I knew, I knew in my soul that in order for me to do my best work, I couldn't be stressed. Mm-hmm. And in fact, it's better when I'm in a positive mood because your memory recall is better and so on. So, um, having fun is, is my self care and it could be silly things. Like it could be, like I played dodgeball with a group of friends recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like being silly, having fun, it's part of my life's work. Yeah. That, that's interesting that you say that about the, um, when you're stressed, you're in the fight or flight mm-hmm. mode. So it makes me think about people stressed out at work when they're either thinking about quitting or like flipping over a desk. So (laughs) (laughs) it's like, go get an ice cream. Okay. Go like see a comedian that night and then come back the next day and think through what, think through what you're going to do about it. 
So I know you said you wanted to give like some um, tips out to people when we talked earlier. Um, and I think you've done a great job of that already. But are there any other things that you wanted to share with the listeners? Mm-mm. I think if ever you're feeling down on yourself or whenever, because it happens all the time, even for me, but every day there's, there's a moment or two where I'm like, oh, I should have done better or I can't believe I did that, um, is just to remember that if you believe you're doing your best, there's two things. Either you don't have the skills to do it or you're not setting yourself up for success. So never blame yourself or get down on yourself. There's no point if you're trying hard. Like people have so many barriers for different reasons. Maybe it's identities that they hold. Maybe it's a stressful situation. Maybe it's the economy. Cost of living is going up. Like that's part of, you know, poor conditions. So what can you do to build the skills or to set yourself up differently? If you're doing, if you're doing your best, you're doing your best. And what can you, what, how, what can you change is really the, the thing. Mm-hmm. I love that as well. And I keep saying, I love that through my interview, <laughs> but you know, for using myself as a, an example again, um, I'm just ready to leave corporate America because I don't think that I would ever find the, um, ideal job for like what mm-hmm. I wanted to do as an instructional designer. So that's why I really started focusing on my like insight stuff and my book and everything. And I get so much joy out of it, even though it's a hell of a lot of work, you know, you work mm-hmm. a full-time job and then you have to edit videos, find people to come on the podcast and just do all this other different stuff. But like talking to you, I learned so much today and the other guests and meeting people in, you know, different countries and continents and I had no idea that I would be interviewing people in like London and Nigeria and, you know, mm-hmm. Canada and mm-hmm. all those places. I was just like, oh, I just go to these conferences and meet some people and go on LinkedIn and, you know, find people in my network. And so mm-hmm. um, it's just been amazing, you know, mm-hmm. with me making that post on Polywork and just getting a chance to talk to people and hearing their ex- experiences and, you know, what mm-hmm. made them, you know, start doing what they're doing now or start their own business. So. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for me, it was just doing something outside of work that really, mm-hmm. um, brought that sense of fulfillment because like you just mentioned the barriers, like, um, financially I can't quit my job. Like, you know, mm-hmm. this thing is, is this thing is draining money. It's not making me any money, um, yeah. right now. So, <laughs> so I can't quit until like, the, uh, I would say hopefully within the next mm-hmm. two to three years, I would be able in a spot mm-hmm. where I could be able to support myself financially with this but um yeah that's... can i can i give you a challenge and, yeah yeah okay so i would say and this is like modeling how maybe other people who are listening to your podcast can say is okay you love this podcast you love meeting people it brings you energy you're learning you're able to apply that can you say oh at my job i'm going to interview for pe- people from all across the company about how they're doing instructional design and Mm. be able to bring what you love to your work and and helping build bridges. So maybe that your current job could actually be more like your dream job. That's my, that's my suggested challenge for you. 
Okay, that's another conversation. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely a challenge. Let me tell you, uh, I've been trying some things, but um, it's just like <laughs> pew, 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 pew. every time I bring up an idea. Oh, so, gosh. Yeah, oh, gosh, is right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Yeah, cut um, that part out. <laughs> cut that, yeah, we're going to edit that out. <laughs> Yeah, so, um, well, I have to get ready to wrap up here because I have somebody else coming up at like 12 minutes, but I really have enjoyed this conversation a whole lot. Um, you know, I met a, a, a guy in in London and we had a conversation. I just uploaded his today. And so we were talking about a panel, bringing back a panel. So, um, you mm -hmm. know, I don't know what the topic is, but I think that you would be a great person to have on the panel. Um, we were talking about diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'll figure it out, but just, mm -hmm. I would love to have you back on the show. And, you know, if not for that, maybe we can just get into this more and to mm -hmm. some of the topics that we talked about into more depth. So it's been a really great, I think, episode. Awesome. Thank you. That was, it was really fun and really natural. I think you do a great job. Um, Thank you. And I, I love, I mean, it's my first podcast, so okay. <laughs> take that with a great result. <laughs> Just kidding. No, it was good. And, uh, but uh, yeah, diversity and inclusion is really a, something that I really value um, and I've worked on before. And I work a lot with people who hold various identities. And um, when it, it, I, I think it's important also just to like bring it down to the human aspect, like, all of those identities lead to strengths that if you mm -hmm. communicate in a way don't have to be about the fact that you're black or that you're a woman or whatever. But in the end, when you communicate it as a value and as a strength from a skill or a, it's just so easy to say yes to, mm -hmm. to that. And I think a lot of it is just kind of like branding and communicating it in a way that the system mm -hmm. um, can, can really easily acknowledge. Mm -hmm. which is difficult and labor and shitty, but like, yeah, it's a step, right? Yeah. 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 Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> and did you want to let people know where they can contact you or reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alyssa McDonald.com. A-L-Y-S-S-A McDonald, M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D.com. That's it. Cool. And I will make sure I put all that information on your contact information and website and everything in the caption section of um, YouTube and in Spotify and Apple podcasts. So Alyssa, oh. again, thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation um, and hope you have a great rest of your night. Yeah, you too. Talk to all you right, soon. Thank you. Bye. All right. Bye bye.